0: You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Moving back to uh, first, uh, first Corinthians, we've been going through that book, and uh, we're going to move back to chapter 4, skip chapter 3, just because it had some stuff I didn't like in it. So I was like, It's not going to, no, we're going to move back there too, but God was really speaking to me through chapter 4. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 this week. You know, like I said, we're in a season of connect, grow, serve, and asking the question, what does it really mean to grow in our relationship with God? We're really good as a church at connecting people. People come to one of our services on Sunday. We take them to Hollybrook, birthday party, whatever, and we do a really good job of helping people feel excited, like Mac was talking about, feeling a part of our family and serving. We do amazing things in the community. But um, but where we feel like God's moving this year is in growing. What does it mean to grow and to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to be a part of a family that's growing? What does it mean for me if my church is saying we're in a season of growth? What does that imply for me as being a part of the family? And so I want to talk about that a little bit today because Paul, when he's talking to the, the church in um church in Corinth, they were having the same issue. You know, he's getting ready to talk to them about spiritual gifts, being a family, being a body, working together in chapters, you know, 12, 13, and 14. And before he gets there, he talks about laying a foundation of service, laying a, laying a foundation of serving one another, laying a foundation of being a good steward of the things that he's entrusted to us. All of those are foundational in us learning and understanding what it means to grow in our gifting, to grow in our ability to follow Jesus, to grow in our love for Christ. And so I'm going to pull up on the screen the text. I'm going to run through it, but then we're going to go backwards a little bit because I think traditionally the way this text would be taught would be from an angle to manipulate you a little bit, and I'm going to do that, and motivate you a little bit to get plugged into some ministries in the church, and I'm going to do that too. But the foundation for those things... Should be, for your, should be because of your love for God. Your desire to be obedient and serving God, to be obedient and being a good steward of what God's given you, should be driven from your love for God. I mean, have you ever had, if you've had children before, and you're like arguing, and you then tell them to go do a chore, they're like, uh-uh. No, I'm not doing that. I don't care, expect me all you want. You know, or, or whatever. Oh, I'll go to timeout for days, you know, or Whatever. If you're in an argument or they're doubting your love for them or the value that you feel for them, you ask them to do something and it's like a battle. Do your homework. I mean, you have to like, it's a battle. I'm just saying. I win all those battles because I use force and violence. But anyway, no, I don't. I'm just kidding. But um, but if I just take my kids to Disney World, to the Star Wars thing this weekend, which I didn't because I'm not a dork like Charlie and Tom Rossi. But anyway... If I would have taken my kids to Disney World, and I'm like driving home, and I'm like, hey, buddy, when we get home, can you cut the grass? Oh, Dad, I'd love to cut the grass for you. You're my hero. I worship you almost. If it wasn't for Jesus, you'd be my God. You know, that's, I mean, after Disney or something that, he, that I've done that demonstrates my love for him, my affection for him, he's much more, de- he desires to, to see that we're on a team when we work together. But so often we use guilt, we use shame, we use, and we beat people up with the word of God trying to get you to do something or be motivated in a way that's totally opposite of the way that I think God desires, desires for us to be motivated. Because if we're not motivated by love, then we're really motivated by works. And when we're motivated by works, it diminishes the power of grace and what Christ has done on the cross. And we would never want to do that. So let's take a look at this verse. Begin with the the love that God has for us and then see how that works its way out into our relationship with him as we desire to be servants and good stewards of what he's given us. So these are the two verses, really short, really quick. This is how one should regard us. This is Paul talking to the church about how to regard the leaders of the church, the apostles. Okay, I'll show you in Hebrews that the word he uses for servants here is for everyone in the church, not just the apostles. It's how we should all behave. Okay, so he says, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ. Basically, he says there's two ways, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. So I'm just going to unpack three words in the first verse, one word in the second verse, to give you a foundation for what this really means. This is what it means. So Paul's saying to them again, when you think Mac did it, I was going to say your name, dude. Mac asked a question on Facebook last night. Should we, be, should we be pursuing leadership in the church, or should we be pursuing service, serving one another in the church? Which is the greater of the two? I didn't even know about the question on Facebook. Paul answers it right here. He says, basically, if you're going to lead, you have to serve. You cannot dis- you can't separate those two I mean, Christ was a servant leader. We're called to be servant leaders. And Paul's saying, look at us. Look at the way we lead the church. And he says, here's how and what it looks like. First of all, we are servants of Christ. That word servants right there is also used as someone who has the low row on a big boat. It's like the worst job on the boat. I call it the low row. I bumped into it last service. And I like what it says. It's basically the lowliest position on the boat. It's the worst job. On a big boat that you can get it's the low row okay it's no fun to be there but Paul says when you associate leading in a church look at me and guess what I'm doing I'm doing the stuff that no one else wants to do I'm serving at the lowest levels that's the first thing that he tells us that's what leadership looks like in the church and if you want to lead you better learn how to serve because you can't do one without the other because people won't follow you, mainly. That's the biggest reason. But anyway, that's one of the reasons. Not the biggest. I exaggerate. But anyway, the second one is this. And stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, that word stewards means is associated with someone who is over a household of caretakers or slaves. Okay? And so, basically, what their job would be, their job would be to take care of the slaves or the housekeeper, the housekeeper's, in a way that makes sure that they 're fed, make sure that they 're healthy, and make sure that they get their job done, and so they 're stewarding the responsibility of making sure the house is taken care of but here 's the catch is that these stewards are a slave in and of themselves to the master, so they own nothing, they acknowledge that nothing that they have is their own, nothing that they 've been given to be responsible for they 've earned. And they are doing it because of their love for the master and their desire to please the master. Does that make sense? So, Paul's basically saying these are the two ways that I want you to observe the way that I lead. I lead first as a servant of Christ, not of you, but of Christ. I'm serving Christ. Because I'm serving Christ, I'm willing to do anything and everything. And I acknowledge that any power I've been given, any resources I have, any role of responsibility is a gift. That I haven't earned it's been given to me by the master, and again, I desire to do a good job because I serve the master not to yield power not to wield power over the people or to take credit for any of the work that's been done okay now, and then the, and then lastly, Paul says in the next verse he says, uh, more of the stewards, I want you to be stewards that, to be found trustworthy, and that word trustworthy means trustworthy. It means that that you're going to get the job done, that you've proven you can get the job done faithful is an, another word that translators use. That, You're going to get the job done. You've proven you're going to get the job done, and you're trustworthy because you do the job again and again and again, and you've been consistent. You've been faithful in doing the job, and so you're trustworthy. And so Paul's saying, I want you to be servants of Christ, willing to do anything and everything because of your love for Christ. I'm going to talk about love in a minute. And anything that you've been given, I need you to acknowledge, I want you to see that we don't count it our own. It all belongs to the master the master. And we're being obedient to do the things because it belongs to him. Everything we have, all the responsibility, any power, any resources, all belongs to God. And from now on, make it your aim to do it right and to do it well every time. That's what that word trustworthy means. Make it your aim. Work hard to please the master every time. To be trustworthy. And so at this point, I could be like, and so... What I feel like God's saying is, man, we have this massive need in our children's ministry, and y'all need to step up and be trustworthy. And I'd be motivating you with guilt, wouldn't I? Or shame or need, even. We can't even let need motivate us. The motivation for this has to be God's love for us. Because if it's not, we will eventually burn out or just get tired of doing it. And we won't, when we'll stop. And so it's like when we're singing this song, it's like we have to become, we have to touch the reality. We have to experience the reality of God's love being deep in our life. We have to believe that God's love is wide, that God's love covers us. We have to experience this covering. We have to experience the depth of God's love. We have to pursue this love in a way that we experience God's love for us being fierce, that God's love for us is strong, that God's love for us is furious, that His love for us is sweet, that it's wild. And we have to allow it to wake up our heart. Because it is only when our heart has been changed that our behavior will follow. If we're driven, again, if we're driven by works, we will eventually fail. And it diminishes the work of the cross to change our heart. The cross transforms our heart. Creates in our heart a desire to serve and to love Christ in a way that we can't do on our own. And we're doing it out of an obedience that's born in love. And and, and the question you should be asking is, well, why should I? Well, why should I? What has Jesus done to deserve that kind of loyalty from me? I mean, he's asking me to to be the low row on the boat. He's asking me to to not take any benefit and, 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 and the resources that he's given me, to steward all of that for him. What has he done for me? When Philippians 2, we read, well, in Hebrews, we read this verse that uses the same word for steward. Let me find it. I'm all over my notes. And it says, I have no idea what it says. It says this. Hebrews 2.17. Therefore, he had to be made made like his brothers. It's talking about Jesus. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. That word faithful the same word that's used in there, that he needs to be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for our sins of the people. So basically what Hebrews is saying here is that Christ and his faithfulness to his master, to his father, has done this thing. He's taken away our sins, propitiation for our sins. Basically, he's turned the wrath of God away from us taking the sin that we deserve, taking it on himself, and then absorbed the wrath and the punishment that we deserved. And so when we begin to understand that, the reality of what Christ has done for us, which we will never fully understand, as hard as we try because it's so deep, it's so amazing, we begin to associate this reality that I am only able to serve, I'm only able to steward, I'm only able to love, anything that's good that's coming my way, all of my resources are a result of the work of Christ on the cross in my life. Every blessing I've experienced physically, emotionally, or spiritually are because of Jesus. Have nothing to do with what I've done. And so when we come into positions and we're asking for the low, the low row in our life to do the worst of the worst thing, the only way we're able to do it is because we, we're reminded that Christ did everything. He died for you To have love and relationship with the Father. To find life in the Father. And so our motivation comes out of first this understanding of the love that God has for us. Demonstrated in what Christ has done for us on the cross that brings us into life. But the second thing that we can look to that should motivate us is in Philippians 2. When we look to Jesus as our master. To Jesus as the one who says, follow me. If you're one of my believers, one of my homeboys, you got to do what I do. And Paul, again, talks to, uses this language in Philippians 2, and this might be familiar to some of you. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now this is what would make this super tidy as if the word servant there was the same word as servant I was using in 1 Corinthians. But it's not. It's a whole different Greek word. It's a word that means bond servant. And that this kind of servant is even in he's he's like he is basically secured for life to do the will of the person he serves. No chance of freedom, no chance of anything It says committed the way that it describes it as loyal commitment to the end for the one that he serves. That's the picture that, that Paul's painting in the book of Philippians for that church as we try to understand the love and the demonstration of what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a leader in the church, what it means to serve. We get this picture of Christ calling us into this loyalty with him. That is being demonstrated by him in a way that far surpasses anything that we could ever attain on our own. That he is a bondservant for us. That he has gone to the end, committed, loyal to his father's will and desire so that we can experience the father's love. That's the engine behind being a good servant. That's the engine behind being somebody who understands that nothing they have belongs to them and they're willing to give it all away. Why would I give it all away? Because Jesus gave it all away for you. And so when it comes to jobs in the church, I mean, let's be honest, we'd all love to be, you know, sing, being the worship leader. You know, it's the job, you know, we all love to lead Bible studies. We would all love to teach. We all like to be recognized. We all want the, the jobs of stewarding but very, very rarely do we want the jobs, of the low row. You know, we don't want, the, we don't want the, the, the toilet cleaning jobs. We don't want the serving jobs. We don't want the jobs that there's no glory in. But it's in those places that we find ourselves needing to be more dependable, more dependent on Christ. Because it doesn't match our giftedness. It doesn't match the glory we want. It doesn't match the attention and the affection we get from others when we're serving. But Paul says, if you want to steward, you need to learn to serve the low row. Jesus? <laughs> we, ha- <laughs> we have to learn to serve the low row, and the only way we will be able to do that on a regular basis, the only way we will choose to suffer for one another, we will choose to serve one another. The only way we will choose the things that nobody wants to do, to sacrifice in ways that nobody else wants to, is if we understand the sacrifice and the love that's been made for us to experience God. It's the only way. If our heart has been transformed and to lead, Paul knows that we have to take the low road, the low road. That is the only place that our character can be developed. Our, when I drive my boys, both of my boys, I drive them to school. When I was driving them to school, on the way to middle school, both of them, I was driving them there. I've told this story before. I'd be like, dude, just know middle school's tough. It's going to be tough. God's going to develop your character. He's going to work on your heart while you're at middle school. It's going to be tough. I said, I said, you know how he's going to develop your character? He said, oh, no, I don't know, dad, just give me to school. I'm going to be late. You know, and I and I'm like, you're gonna suffer. It's going you're the only way our character is developed is in suffering. Is in suffering. And it was brutal watching both. I mean, it's just tough watching your kids go through school and suffering. But have you ever met someone who's had everything handed to them? They're just shallow. They're shallow and there's no character, there's no depth. It's why we have to allow God to work out these things in our children, that we can't protect them. And if we try to, he'll find another way because he loves them too much. He loves us too much. And so we read this, not only in Romans 5, to 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not... Put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That says it so well, doesn't it? How are you able to take the low road? Because the love of God has been poured out in my heart. And I know that when I take the low road, it's going to affect my character. It's going to give me a hope that I can't find anywhere else in Christ. But I'm weak. I don't want to do that. I want to work in my strengths. I I, want to work in the areas that I'm good at. But Christ said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will not boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. so this is the awkward part of the talk where I'm going to tell you about serious needs we have in our church that continue to go unmet. And it's not because we don't have a church that loves to serve. We have a church that loves to serve. But for whatever reason, you like to, it seems like you like to serve outside of the church more than you like to serve inside the church. And so the result is our children's ministry and our youth ministry continue to struggle. What happens when you're in a rowboat There's two of you, one, two, and you're both rowing. And all of a sudden, one of the dudes jumps out the boat. What happens to the boat? Keeps rowing. You go in circles, don't you? I can't. Go in a big circle. That's what's happening in these areas of our church. Every year, we come back around. We can't get enough volunteers for our youth. We can't get enough volunteers for our kids. We can't. Everyone loves the RCC. Maybe it's because you love to come to church. You want to experience God in church. It's not a bad thing. But it's something that God wants to deal with that God wants us to take seriously so we can become the church that God's created to be. You know, it's one thing for you to say, Ailey, we, we, we come here because we trust you as the leader, we trust what God's doing, but it's another thing for you to then believe me when I say as a leader, God wants us to deal with this, and I'm not just gonna hear you speak about it anymore, I'm gonna take it seriously, and I'm gonna go volunteer. I'm gonna get involved. Trust without action isn't trust. I mean, when my kids start to drive, they, my second one just got his permit this week, Cole. So he got his driver's permit. And I'm like, dude, you're going to be a great driver. You have quick skills. You're an athlete. It's going to be great. It's going to be a piece of cake. That's one thing for me to say, I really trust you're going to be a good driver. It's another thing for me to get in the car and drive with him. So last, so I videotaped him this week. He drove. He got his permit. We pulled into the church. Uh, the, the, I was like, here, you're driving. He's like, I haven't practiced or anything. I'm like, just here. So we went driving around, he's terrified. So this is a this is a video of Chase, my other son, who's in this service. His first driving experience with me. Oh yeah. Driving down Atlantic. First trip together. I've driven out here before. I'm gonna drive it You down. go right here. Go right here? Yeah. Right. This is Atlantic. Going to look at guitars. Easy tired. Dude, I'm fine. This will roll. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, hands at 10 and 2 o'clock, perfect. <laughs> and so, it's one thing for me to tell Chase I trust him. I, buddy, I love you, I trust you, you're going to be great. And then for me to get in the front seat with a teenager who's 15 years old, driving a killing machine. I mean, that's just a whole other level of trust. That's trust, you know? And Chase is a great driver, but still... By me trusting him, it required for me to behave in a certain way. For you to say, I'm a part of this family. I take seriously the needs of the family. I trust you as a leader. I trust you as a leader means that you're going to trust me and then engage in the things I tell you that God wants us to take seriously. If you trust me, and if you're coming here and this is your church home, you should trust me because I'm the church leader. That's a scary thought. That's worse than getting in a car with a 15-year-old probably for some of you. But my point is that these are... These are issues we need to deal with as a church if we want to be serious about becoming who Christ called us to be. But I don't want you to be motivated. We don't have any sign-up sheets for you to sign up with for today because I don't, that's not the point of the talk this morning. The point of the talk this morning is if you're not engaged in the areas that we feel like God is moving in, it's not because the need doesn't exist. It's not because I don't think you could go sign up and I can manipulate you and make you go do it. It's probably because you've disassociated leading and serving. Or you've lost your love and understanding for the love that Christ has for you. Because when we experience the love that God has for us and we understand the sacrifice that he's made for us, we look for opportunities to do the low row. We look for places and ways to sacrifice for each other. I asked Amy Gay, I was telling her about the talk, and she said, Antley, the level, she's in charge of our children's ministry, the level of our commitment determines the quality of what we can do with our children. The level of your commitment to our children affects the quality of what we're able to offer them every Sunday. That's the bottom line. That makes, that makes logical sense, that makes spiritual sense, that's just the way it is. And what she's telling me, when it comes to Sunday mornings, and it comes to Wednesdays, leading the boys especially. We're having a hard time finding people who want to take the low road. Not that working with our children is the low row. But it does cause us to sacrifice experiencing God in here. And being filled up in a way that gets us through the week and ministers to us. But Christ wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. He has proven himself trustworthy as a servant to us. And when it comes to signing up for these things that we don't want to do, we need to trust Him. And you need to trust me that this is something serious that God wants us to deal with. And we need to learn the reality that if you want to be a steward in charge of leadership and ministry in a church, it begins with learning how to serve in the places that nobody sees, in ways that nobody will recognize, and will cultivate character. As you learn to struggle and to suffer that Christ sees that leads to hope and perseverance in life. So this morning, let's stand as we think through what this morning is really about. It's this. Again, I don't want you to run out of here. I'm sorry, I'm going to go serve. I'll, I'll sign up. I don't want you to do that. I want you to come forward and experience more of Christ. I want you to come forward and be reminded of the sacrifice that he's made for you. I want you to come forward and have him speak into your ear again, into your heart again, the love that he has for you that is furious, that is deep, and that loves to develop character in you, and that wants you to trust him. If we're not trusting Christ, it's not because we're not being obedient. It's because we're not experiencing his love. And so this morning is about going back to Jesus. I don't want you to leave wanting to be a better steward. Leave wanting to work harder at serving. I want you to leave more in love with Jesus. And that only happens through the power of the Spirit. And so if you'd like to experience more of God's love for you this morning, in whatever, anyway, if you're one of the people that I talked about in terms of maybe you're feeling lonely this week or isolated or separated from people, we'd love to pray for you. But we'd also love to pray for anybody who wants to experience more of God's love. Not so that you'll go serve, but just because, more than anything, God wants you to know his love. How that works itself out is up to him and you. But this morning is about you experiencing more of Christ, more of the love that he has for you, understanding deeper levels of sacrifice that he's gone through so that you can find life. So if you could come forward, if you are a prayer minister, if you could come forward, receive them, pray for folks, that'd be great.